Well, it's really here. August. Right? Anybody else feel that way to me? August is already here. It's that time of year where we hear those three words that students and teachers and newly licensed pastors and especially parents of college freshmen dread back to school. Should be it. There it is. Back to school. Well, maybe not everyone dreads those words. I mean, do you or did you have that one who is already ready to get back at it? In the next week or so, they will have everything lined up, even down to the first day of school outfit. On that first morning, they will be up, bed will be made, lunch was packed the night before, all things gathered, ready to go. You won't need to remind them of anything. In fact, they will remind you of all the things. Anyone have that child at home? How many of you are that one? Or maybe you have the more laid-back kind at your house, the one that you will be coaxing from the covers every single morning of the school year, and you will still be coaching them as they stumble half awake out the door. Are your teeth brushed? Do you have your lunch money? Where's your backpack? Hey! you're gonna need shoes. (laughs) Anyone have that one at home? How many of you are willing to admit that you are that one, right? Or how many of you are guilty of at the drop-off rolling down the window and you're shouting after them, be kind, make good choices, I love you. Much to the dread of our children, it is what we as parents do. It reminds me of when each of my boys left home. I kind of had that sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach as I hugged them goodbye. Did I share with them the most important things they would need to know before they went out into the world? If they remember nothing else, Be kind. Make good choices. I love you. It's how Paul ends his letter to the Colossians, those new believers in Jesus who heard the good news, were rescued and set free because of Jesus Paul encouraged them that just as they had received Christ to continue to live their lives in him, to be confident that nothing on earth or in heaven is greater than Jesus, that Christ is all and Christ is in all. Paul challenged them to take off their raggedy old clothes that cause hurt and division and to put on new clothes given them by Christ to wear the Christ-likeness characteristics of compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, tolerance, forgiveness, love, peace, and thankfulness as they navigate their world and their new life in Jesus. 
Paul wraps up his letter and he shifts here at the end to include some practical instructions like a loving parent sending kids off to school or out into the world. As they navigate that new life, And as Pastor Mike said, the beauty of Scripture is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul's words to the Colossians are also God's words to us today. So hear these words from our loving Father to us, his children, from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Devote yourself to prayer being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that, we, that God may open a door for us, for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders, Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Thank you, Abba Father, for your words to us. By these words, help us to hear from you and give us the desire and courage to go and do as you say, all because of Jesus. Amen. Though Paul has never met the Colossians, he has come to care for them deeply, praying for them continually, as he says in the beginning of his letter. And he signs off his letter to them with the most important things for them as they, for them to know, if you remember nothing else, talk to God. Talk to God about others. Talk to others about God. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, Paul says. Talk to God. But what does communication with a holy God look like? Early on in my life, I was introduced to saying a memorized prayer before going to bed, and I especially did so when I was afraid, and it still brings comfort to me today. Does anyone else do that? And then over the years, I caught on that praying before a meal is the right thing to do. It is right to give our thanks for God's provision. It's nice to have those tangible moments in our lives mealtime and bedtime, to stop and give thanks, to lay our head on our pillow and speak our cares to our loving Father and to ask for his peace. But limiting our prayer with the Lord to only mealtime and bedtime kind of feels like we're setting ourselves up for missing out on some really important conversation with God. Maybe kind of like pulling up to the drive-thru and talking through the speaker. 
And here's the part where I thought it would be helpful to have a picture of a drive through speaker as a so sermon illustration on prayer. And so I stopped by and I snapped a picture on my way home this week. And while I was here, of course, I put in an order for a number two, no pickles and an iced tea. Did you know that it's a computer that takes our order? And there's a screen to review your order to make sure that it's all correct. And I looked at the screen and it said, sweet tea. So I said, just an iced tea, not sweet. And the reply came back, how many creams and sugars would you like with that? <laughs> and I thought, what? I don't even drink coffee. And so then I looked at the screen and I saw that there was a coffee on my order. And I, and I said, no coffee just tea. And the reply was, that's a spicy sauce on your number two. <laughs> and I thought, this computer and I are not connecting at all. You better believe I was especially watchful at the pickup window and I was thankful that there was not spicy sauce on my burger talking into a speaker and trying to communicate with a computer is exactly not how God intended our prayer life to feel. The kind of communication that God wants with us, that Paul encouraged, is less like talking into a drive through speaker and maybe more like the communication that I hear in the emergency room at the hospital. The radio system keeps the trauma team and the paramedics en route in constant contact, ready and available at any hour. The first responders connect with the hospital staff about the patient that they are bringing in, sharing vital information and in turn, often receiving life-saving help in that crisis. The charge nurse, trauma doctors, and paramedics have built a relationship of trust and partner together for the life of the people who need care. Talk to God, Paul said. Talk to God about others. Like this continual conversation between the first responder staff, Paul knows how vital prayer is in the lives of others. He knows that Prayer is not simply the act of presenting one's own wishes and desires to God. And of course there is room for that. But prayer is also a way for God's children to participate in God's unfolding redemptive plan in the lives of others. Prayer is a way for us to partner with God and his work in the life of people who need him. Paul goes on to say, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Paul's specific request to his Colossian brothers and sisters is not what we might expect from a man in prison. Paul's I imagine that after all that he had been through, Paul would ask for his freedom. He would ask prayers, please 
for my comfort, for my safety. But he doesn't do that. He asks for something entirely different. Paul's prayer request reminds me of my recent communion visit with our Rosie. Before I left her, I asked, how can I be in prayer for you? And her answer humbled me. She asked, will you pray for me as I pray for those who take care of me? Sometimes they have hard days, and so I pray for them while they're taking care of me. She prays for them while they're taking care of her. Her answer humbled me and surprised me. I really expected her to ask me for prayers for her strength, because that's what we often pray for her. Maybe prayers for her comfort. I really expected to hear her ask for prayers for her health, but she didn't ask that. She asks for prayers for herself as she ministers to those who are taking care of her. And, and that's what Paul's prayer was, his request. Pray that God may open the door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Even in prison, Paul knows the real task at hand is not his comfort or his freedom, but to share Christ. Paul believes that it's only by the power of God that the good news is heard, that people are set free, that are they're rescued. Paul does not assume that every moment is the right moment to share about Jesus. He's on the lookout for open-door moments that God provides. He is watchful in prayer. It is important for us to be aware of those moments, the opportunities given by God to us so that we don't miss them. Sometimes it's just an opportunity for kindness, for grace. Sometimes it's an opportunity to begin a relationship or to deepen a relationship. And sometimes it really is the moment to share who Jesus is and what he has done for us and what he can do for them. Do you remember that mystery of Christ that Paul is always speaking of. We heard about it in the beginning of his letter. He said, God has chosen to make known to the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We must diligently pray for such opportunities and then keep watch for when the Lord opens that door for us to share this mystery, the hope that we cling to Christ in us and Christ available for all people. Talk to God. Talk to God about others. Talk to others about God. Because I'm up at bat for the Sunday message every four to six weeks or so, 
I have the advantage, or the curse maybe, <laughs> of sitting with the text for quite a while, letting the words simmer in the crock pot, as Pastor Mike likes to say. The thing is, before God's word and the message hits your ears and messes with you, it messes with me first. These words from Paul have been stepping on my toes a lot the past few weeks. And after sitting with this letter from Paul to the Colossians, really from our loving Father to us, I had to ask myself, how can I ask the Lord to open a door for me to share about him if I'm driving past every door that he wanted to open? You see, I realized something. Let me grab it. This gadget right here is making my life very convenient, and I really do enjoy it, even though I would think I was the last one on the planet to get one. But right here, I can order my groceries for pickup. I deposit checks, and I pay my bills right here. I can even get my library books curbside and not you know, I can even order my Chipotle lunch, and I know not all of you will because of all that disgusting cilantro involved, but I can go to the shelf and grab my lunch and not say a word to anyone. Anyone else feeling this with me? I can even send a text or an email and not make a call and talk voice to voice with someone. It brings back to my mind Bishop Farr's words as he was admonishing us new pastors while we were together in licensing school. He said to us, and if you know Bishop Farr, he, he's a straight shooter. He said, don't you for one minute expect your people to do what you are not doing. The reality is I'm not interacting with new people I'm not often engaging in conversation. I'm not building new relationships that could lead to sharing my faith, my love, and the life of Jesus. The truth from Bishop Farr is that if I'm not talking to anyone about Jesus, I sure cannot stand here and ask you to talk to anyone about Jesus. But I want to make a change. I need to make a change. I wondered if anyone in this room or online wants to join me. Is it just me? Yeah? Well, what if we choose a different way? What if we choose to shop inside the store and not use the self-checkout? What if we even intentionally, on purpose, seek out the longest line just in case there's an open door moment in that line for conversation. Maybe we pray and ask the Lord to show us that one place that we can be more attentive this week, the place that we usually cross paths with some of the same people, 
What if we ask the Lord to open doors for a deeper connection and conversation while we're there? Or what if we just simply ask the Lord to help us make the most of every opportunity he's already put right in front of us? Because it does take intentionality to be present today, to be face-to-face with people. Sharing Christ is going to cost us something. We have to choose to sidestep convenience just to interact with others if we're going to share kindness and build relationships. If we're going to invite them into relationship here with us at faith, if we're going to invite them to know Jesus and that hope that he offers all people. But you know what? Someone paid that cost for me, took the time to build a friendship with me and to invest in me and to invite me here. And I imagine the same goes for you. Someone invested in you. Someone shared Jesus with you. Someone invited you here. It's our turn now to go and do likewise. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.